Marketing Week Meets, sponsored by Salesforce's intelligent one-to-one -one customer journeys. Helping you achieve higher revenue, happier customers, and lower costs. Hello and welcome to Marketing Week Meets, a monthly podcast in which we speak to a marketing luminary about their life, career, and thoughts on the state of the marketing universe. Our criteria for interview subjects is this people who have made a mark in marketing and, of course, have an opinion or two. Our guest today ticks both of those boxes. Aline Santos-Farat is one of the world's best-known marketers. As Global Vice President of Marketing at Unilever, she's one of the most senior marketers and one of the world's biggest advertisers. Spending almost all of her career at Unilever, she has had several notable roles, including Global Senior Vice President for Laundry in her home country of Brazil before moving to its London HQ in 2015 when she took on her current role. Her time is split between marketing and her responsibilities as Chief Diversity and Inclusion Officer. She has also been very vocal in calling on the industry to ditch damaging gender stereotyping. She told Campaign Magazine in 2018, My mother always told me that I was a born activist and that it was no coincidence that I was born on Human Rights Day. Ever since I was a little girl, I've been fighting for causes I believe in, whether it was in the classroom or during the early stages of my career. I've never settled for the status quo. Welcome, Eline. Where did that activism, that refusal to settle for the status quo come from? Um, well, I was born and raised in Brazil, and this is an amazing place uh, to be a, a child. And I had a blessed childhood, uh, and I was uh, raised with with uh, a lot of love and um, and um, a lot of uh, support from my parents. Um, but you know, I w when I was thinking about my uh, my, my future uh, at that time, I was looking around me, and the references that I had were basically my parents, my aunts, you know, the family uh, family around me. And so I was always thinking that my future was going to be like, um, you know, a, becoming a teacher or a housewife, something like that. One day, something um, happened in my life that changed everything. One day, a movie from the U.S. came to Brazil. That was a, a movie from Ridley Scott called Alien. And the translator in Brazil got the name of the film wrong. So instead of calling it Alien, uh, the translator put the name of the film Alini, my name. <laughs> and that became a nightmare in my life because then everybody at school was bullying me, saying, oh, Alini, the, in the monster, Alini this, Alini that. And that troubled me a lot. And my mom said, you know what, Alini, just go to the bloody cinema and watch this movie and see what it is. And I did. But for, to my surprise, that, that little movie, yeah, uh, not little, big movie, uh, changed my life forever. When, when I was watching that movie, for the first time in my life, I saw someone like uh, Sergeant Ripley. That was the character that Sigourney Weaver was playing. And if it was, you know, that um, Sigourney Weaver was talking to me, if it was like, you know what, Alini, why, why you are defining yourself as your mom or your aunt, you can be whoever you wanted to be. Sergeant Ripley in that movie was a fantastic leader. It was the first time I was seeing a woman that could be the leader of that spaceship killing everyone, killing every monster. And she was truly inspired, uh, inspiring for me. So, so that, that sort of, uh, you know, uh, conversation that I had in my imagination with Sigourney Weaver, yeah, uh, 
was was something that really changed my life. It was something that really boosted my confidence to become whoever I wanted to be, uh, to fight for any cause I wanted uh, to fight. So I, I think that uh, I owe a lot to my mom and to Sigourney, uh, this kind of more activist approach that uh, that you're calling before. I never seen aliens. I, I feel like I've missed out on a life of activism and and uh, purposefulness as a result. I'll go home and watch it. Uh, the funny thing is that I met uh, with uh, with uh, Ridley Scott recently. Actually, last uh, July, he came to Cannes and he said, "Alina, I never thought, yeah, that uh, you know your story about you know the the way Sigourney Weaver impacted your life." Uh, would would change you know the way you're doing marketing in Unilever uh, you know inspire the stereotype alliance and and, and things like that so it, it, it is an amazing uh, sort of uh, story yeah before we get on to your career at uh, Unilever I understand you ran a, a clothing business in university <laughs> tell me about that that was a big fun uh, moment I was at university I was uh, studying business uh, in Brazil uh, in Fundação Getúlio Vargas which is a is a good school there and I decided to open a business and that business uh, was a uh, underwear lingerie uh, business uh, imagine 30 years ago there was so much in Brazil but one thing that we didn't have was top quality underwear and uh, I decided to open a business like that. I started to uh, develop, um, you know, um, uh, clothes for girls and boys. And um, and uh, at some point, uh, I decided to do um, catwalk shows uh, in the middle of the university. I was quite successful, uh, as you can imagine. That this is a subject that attracts a lot uh, of students, <laughs> and uh, and and my business was doing very well. The issue was that I was doing that while I was studying and uh, I didn't have much time to study anymore. I didn't have time enough for my business. So I was not sleeping very much. And I started uh, to get with uh, an ulcer, yeah, in a stomachache. Yeah. And my doctor, the doctor, the family doctor said to my parents, my goodness, she's only 17, almost 18, but she's too young to get uh, sick like that. Yeah. So... Uh, she needs to stop her business. Yeah, uh, ask her to focus on her business, on her school and um, and um, and um, the university, and then later on she can come back and uh, she can reopen her business. So my uh, parents forced me to say stop now. Yeah, uh, finish the university and then you come back. And uh, I was very reluctant uh, because I was having so much fun, uh, but I did that. And I said, okay, so since I'm going to finish my studies, what I'm going to do is finish my studies and find the best marketing school in the world where I can work for a couple of years and then come back to my business. And Unilever was the best school of marketing. And I said, that's the company that I wanted to join. And eventually I joined Unilever. My plan was to stay there for two, three years maximum, learn everything about marketing and come back to my lingerie uh, uh, business. But here I am, 30 years later. Yeah, I still at Unilever. Uh, sometimes some of my friends say, when, when are you going to come back to the lingerie uh, space? Uh, yeah, uh, it's, a, it's a good question. I don't know. Maybe one day I will. <laughs> well, before we go on to your 30 years at Unilever, just, just dwelling on that, though, I mean, to have such a serious ailment caused by working so much and working so many long hours yeah. is a significant thing. Did it teach you? Did it give you a, a sort of different outlook, uh, apart from perhaps to slow down a little bit? Or 
you know, um, it was the first time that I was uh, facing any kind of illness, and it, and it was for a period of time. So, you know, when you start having this kind of stomach aches of being stressed, yeah? Uh, I'm blessed never had to uh, <laughs> endure or suffer from it. but um, So so I had that for uh, this couple of months uh, or a little bit more than that. Um, and, and after that, I have to say I never, ever had that again. Maybe because I became more balanced, maybe because I became more mature and, uh, and, uh, and dealt with things in a different way. Uh, but I'm very blessed because I never get sick. Uh, so, yeah. Um, the other thing is, um, since I am a little baby, I have a lot of energy and um, and I never like to sleep. So, uh, you know, I, I, I don't need many hours. Uh, um, um, but, you know, one of the things that this episode taught me is that although I don't need many hours, I should mm-hmm. invest in more hours of sleep. I think that will fascinate a lot of people listening, the fact that you don't need sleep and you are restless to, you know, how do you... Do you have to force yourself to sort of say, you know, I'm done now. I really shouldn't go to bed. I mean, yes. you know, where does this energy come from? Because it sounds. <laughs> no. I, I don't know. I don't know. One of my sons is exactly like me. Uh, I think I was born like that, uh, and um, I, I don't know uh, what is the answer. But um, every night I, I say I, I should go to sleep, and then I go to bed and I sleep. I don't have sleeping problems. I just don't like to sleep. So, um, you know, many, uh, many days uh, while people are sleeping, I, I'm doing something else. So I'm writing a book. I am, you know, curious, you know, looking at things in, in the Internet or I'm watching a movie or, you know, doing something. I, you know, it's my nature. Mm. Well, I'll pick up the conversation with you once we finish today because yeah. I don't sleep enough and, and ah. madly desire a lot more. But uh, <laughs> we'll talk about that later. <laughs> you mentioned that you've been at Unilever for 30 years what um, what inspired you to pursue marketing what was it about marketing that piqued your interest with my uh, own business creating my own brand my lingerie uh, business I felt that that was really uh, something that was really exciting to learn more of because I could do so many other things. I could sell whatever I wanted to sell. I could build uh, different things if I understood the mechanisms, the behaviors, yeah, the challenges uh, that the psyche, uh, uh, you know, um, uh, uh, human psyche has. Um, so it was not uh, straightforward, but also it was not very difficult for me to understand that that, is, that was a passion point for me. And... Unilever, as you identified, is seen as one of the great training grounds for for marketers, still is today. How has that business, though, changed in the three decades that you've been working there? I think that uh, Unilever, of course, has changed. And and, uh, I I think that um, um, a lot of things um, that we went through in the last 30 years just made our values even stronger. So at the same time that we changed a lot, some of the values that we always had, uh, you know, only became even more stronger. Um, so, for instance, uh, if you go back to history, we are just celebrating this week 90 years of Unilever, the merge of uh, the Dutch side and the English side. But, you know, since the beginning, we are talking about brands with purpose. So being a purposeful company has always been at the DNA of this company, has been uh, at the DNA of the founders of this company. Sunlight, which is one of our original brands, that was was launched even earlier, 1884, was already thinking about bringing, uh, you know, a brand with purpose 
trying to make uh, cleanliness uh, commonplace in England in a time that everything was very dirty and and uh, uh, negative. Um, so I think that uh, this element, for instance, in our DNA just got uh, super reinforced. So we are uh, even more uh, convinced that uh, we must lead businesses not only for ourselves, uh, but uh, for society uh, in general. So I think that those kind of elements uh, just got reinforced. I think that the talent that we attract uh, today is also a talent that is very much uh, um, um, in, in, in alignment with this vision. Uh, the, the, this new generation, the millennials, the Generation Z, uh, they are very keen to work in businesses that are also doing uh, good uh, in society and to the planet. So it's about money, but it's also about meaning. And we have been very blessed. You know, we, uh, we have more than 5 million people trying to get into Unilever uh, every year. Uh, a lot of talented people. And, uh, you know, and, and, and this has been, again, a reinforcement uh, of, of values that we had uh, uh, for a long time. Just picking up on, on brand purpose, do you think that customers are demanding it increasingly of companies? You know, uh, I think there are many ways to grow a business. Many ways. There are so many different ways. Um, that was a choice that Unilever has done from its beginning. And what I can do is to talk about our own experience. And our own experience is showing us day by day that this is the right choice for us. Uh, the brands, you know, over the years who have been uh, very active in their purposes are the brands that are growing faster in our company. Yeah, so 70% faster than the other brands. They are also re uh, responsible for 75% of our uh, growth as well. So this is really paying off for us. And when we try to analyze why it is paying off for us, is is really uh, back to the Generation Z, the millennials, who are telling us that they expect more from brands. Technology is so, you know, uh, democratic now. So the differentiation in terms of product is not as big as it used to be in the 50s. Yeah? So now the difference in terms of technology is not so big. So what are the other elements that you can offer to your consumer in order that they choose your brand rather than uh, a similar brand? And I think that, you know, the transparency that we have in terms of the way we wanted to do business, uh, the sort of ethics that the, the company has, uh, I think that um, has been a, 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 a very strong element uh, for making those consumers choose our brands. So my, 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 my wish is that more and more companies do that, uh, that approach uh, properly, yeah? not woke wash, uh, but do it properly. Mm. I mean, that's one of the things I wanted to talk to you about. I mean, woke wash, it used to be greenwashing, didn't it? But yeah. um, I think we all get the point. Yeah. Uh, if it has to be done with authenticity because yeah. I'm sure you can recognize examples of people who are perhaps communicating a purpose that isn't somehow built into the very being of a, a company. Correct. Uh, and, and I think that the way to mitigate this is really, you know, going back to your brand, understanding uh, what is really authentic for your brand to be talking about, yeah, instead of just trying to uh, uh, capture a purpose that doesn't belong uh, uh, to your brand, uh, to the territory of your brand, to the category drivers of the category that your brand uh, occupies. And more importantly, you know, if you really want to talk about that, you have to walk your talk. So when we talk about the self-esteem, 
you know, we are walking our talk. We trained 40 million girls. Yeah, we are, it's not a light touch. Yeah, it's 40 million girls. Tell me any other organization who is doing something similar to that in the area of self-esteem or, you know, toilets. Yeah, so the Masters is, is, a, is a cleaning product. Uh, we are building thousands of, of toilets around the world. Or Lifebuoy, who is teaching more than 400 million uh, people around the world how to do proper hand washing. So if you want to talk, you, you must walk your talk. Um, and, and, and by doing that, of course, consumers are going to start to see that. And, and consumers are going to start to see who are the serious people who are not uh, serious in that area. Mm. What's changed in marketing, would you say, if you were to identify one or two things in I your think, career today? I think that uh, well, a lot a lots have changed. Uh, we were so blessed. You know, 30 years ago, it was so much simpler uh, <laughs> to do marketing. Uh, when I studied, uh, you know, I had my beautiful Kotler uh, book, yeah, uh, and, uh, you know, my goodness, so many theories from Kotler were so important for us and guided us in the way we were doing business. Uh, but nowadays, uh, with, the, with the data that we have available, um, you know, we don't need to follow only theories. Yeah, there are lots of things that we can really prove that work or not. And this can be so different from brand to brand. So there's so much to be discovered. Uh, but it's much more evidence-based uh, the way we do marketing that we used to do before. So I think that one big change is really uh, how we use data uh, to understand our business, to do our business, to grow our business. That is uh, one of the biggest uh, changes that we have. So it's uh, an evidence-based kind of era uh, that we never had before because we never had the abundance of data that we have today. That's one big point. The other one is uh, because of the complexity and the thousands of new touch points that consumers have with our brands today, uh, there is also a complexity in terms of the way you do marketing. So I was a very happy generalist in the past, yeah, when I joined Unilever. Today, yeah, you have to have a lot of specialism, yeah, to be really competitive. So the question is, yeah, is it possible for one person to dominate every subject in marketing? or you need several different uh, people uh, to do a proper job for you. So there's a, it's a very, a very live debate in the industry today, how you deal with that. But one question uh, that, that I have no doubt is that it requires much more specialism than we had before. Um, and, and the question is how, how you deal with that, yeah? how you get organized for that. Because knowing everything about everything, uh, being update all the time about everything is something that no human being can do anymore. So how do you cope with that? <laughs> no, no, well, you, you personally and indeed the people yes. who report into you. Um, so many, I mean, obviously, marketing fundamentals remain consistent. And there's a lot of what Kotler taught yeah. several, several years ago that um, still ring true today. But clearly... We, yes. we, we live in a different environment with uh, digital media and fragmentation and more brands in different countries. Obviously, you guys operate in, in tens and tens of countries across the world. So, you know, how do you prepare a marketer in 2020 uh, to cope with all of those things? Because they have to cope with all of those. Things, yes, right? yes. So I think that there are a couple of uh, uh, things on what you said. I think there are lots of things that Kotler taught us and, and many others before Kotler that are still relevant. But it's interesting how the new generation of marketeers and agencies uh, forgotten that. So one of the things that I debate all the time 
is about brand positioning, yeah, which is something that you know probably learned day, on day one uh, in your marketing school. Uh, but very few marketeers talk about uh, brand positioning these days, and uh, you know, and I, and I, you know, this is one of the things that we are very passionate at Unilever because we really, really cherish uh, the importance of brand positioning. This is the seed that is going to bring you a beautiful flower or not, yeah. Um, so, um, so, so, uh, while we keep all those, uh, you know, fundamentals alive and we cherish them. Uh, there are new things that are um, coming into uh, in, in, into our uh, marketing um, uh, marketing profession. So, uh, as an individual, I think that um, if you are not curious today, if you don't dedicate time to learn yourself, uh, you are not going to cope with the amount of change. Uh, in my personal experience, what I do is that every week I have a structured time to learn. And uh, for that uh, couple of hours that I have for learn, either there is a tutor that is helping me to learn a specific subject or I'm learning by myself. But if I don't book this couple of hours every week, yeah, uh, I, I, I will not cope with everything that I need to learn. And on top of this structured uh, learning, I also have you know spontaneous learning yeah, as we go, learning with the job, learning with people that I meet, learning with you now. You know, there are other opportunities. But I think that learning is, is something that became extremely important, uh, not only for me, but all marketeers in Oliver. So you have to have the curiosity, you have to have the interest, you have to have the stamina to keep learning because every day uh, there are things changing. But also, I believe that uh, if we really wanted to do something that is competitive in the marketplace, you cannot expect one person to know everything. So the way we are, uh, you know, more and more organizing in Oliva is having some specialist areas uh, where people can focus their career for a period of time in order they can go much deeper and, and deliver a competitive edge, be it on innovation, be it on communication, be it on e-commerce, whatever is the subject. Yeah, we are, you know, encouraging people to spend a little bit more time in certain areas and be an expert there um, in order that we can really get to the edge. Uh, otherwise, if we just apply the old ways of doing marketing with generalists, um, we are not going to be competitive. If a young Unilever marketing graduate was to come to you, as I'm sure they do on a regular basis, yeah. and say, Alini, um, What's one piece of advice that you would give me to succeed in my career? What, what would you What would you offer them? Uh, well, I, I think that what I just said about this uh, this uh, hunger to be learning all the time, yeah, would be the most uh, important one. Actually, when I'm interviewing people, I'm always seeking to see, uh, you know, how how much uh, they have uh, this kind of um, uh, willingness to keep learning, um, you know, this, this appetite yeah, for learning to discover how much they are curious. Uh, I never met any great marketeer that was not curious. I never met any, uh, you know, modern marketeer that is not constantly learning and uh, interesting learning. So I, I think that this, these are some of the elements that I, I would seek in a, in a candidate uh, to come. Uh, of course, uh, there are lots of uh, capabilities and skills that I would uh, seek as well, but there are some behaviors as well. Uh, across the behaviors, I think that another one that is super critical in this area of uh, this uh, era of uh, specialization is how much you, as an individual, uh, can collaborate. Because if we don't collaborate, yeah, we are not going to get anywhere. So collaboration, I think, is something that uh, very few people. 
uh, uh, study. Yeah, uh, but there, this is a subject that you can study how you can become more collaborative as a person. And and in the area of uh, you know having to tap into very different um, specialists, uh, how to put this together, how to orchestrate as a maestro all these elements of this puzzle, uh, is something that is super important. And what do you mean by collaboration um, with with other stakeholders in the business? So, with so, external so, partners so, so uh, uh, you know, uh, again, collaboration again uh, in this era means inside your uh, own marketing department uh, means uh, marketing and all the other uh, functions in your business, yeah, and and businesses in your business, uh, and also with uh, external parties. Uh, so that we never had so many. Uh, collaborations externally as we have today. Uh, startups, for instance, one of the areas uh, that, uh, that that we have there is the foundry, which is uh, the door to collaborate with startups. And we have been collaborating with more than 5,000 startups. So, so the ecosystem of collaboration is uh, from inside uh, to outside the business. Marketing Week meets, sponsored by Salesforce helping you to connect to your customers in a whole new way. I mentioned in my intro for you that you have, well, a dual role almost. Um, you, obviously, a senior vice president for marketing at Unilever, um, but you also have this uh, chief uh, diversity and inclusion officer, I think it is, uh, to give it a formal name. Tell me a little bit about what that means. What what, what you see as the objectives in that yeah. in that part of the role? <clears throat> I I think that uh, you know this is again something that I started a long time ago in my career. So I've, I've been always very much um, uh, involved and uh, interested in uh, in the business of equality, uh, and uh, so I've been working uh, with different teams in in HR for a long time. But uh, quite recently, I became the chief diversity and inclusion officer. So they you know. As you know, as business evolve, it's very difficult uh, to find the barriers or uh, to to define the barriers between marketing, HR, e-commerce. You know, everything is blurred, and I think this is a, a good thing. Yeah, I think that uh, it's much more fluid than uh, it used to be. And um, so, where my marketing role stops, and when my diversity and inclusion uh, uh, job starts, uh, I, I would not be able to answer you. Uh, there are lots of things that we are doing that are cutting across uh, HR, uh, diversity and inclusion and marketing. So one of the examples is the approach that we have in terms of advertising and the program that we started a few years ago about breaking stereotypes of advertising. Uh, so we are part of the Unstereotype Alliance, which is an alliance that is beyond Unilever. It is something that you know is is chaired by UN uh, and companies uh, like uh, tech companies, companies like Unilever are all part of this alliance, trying to break uh, the, the the negative stereotypes that we still, as an, an industry, portray in advertising. So this is an agenda that is super critical for us. Uh, and this is an agenda that is not only in the world of advertising. So when we uh, discuss this at Unilever, so we are not just discussing how we are going to portray people in our advertising. We are discussing how we are treating people internally as well. So as much as we are part of the Unstereotype Alliance, we are also having lots of discussions and we have something we call 
unstereotype boot camps with our leadership, uh, with our middle management to really break the barriers and break the stereotypes uh, that uh, we, you know, as human beings, we all have. Uh, we all have. And diversity and inclusion, obviously the right thing uh, to focus on. What's the business case for it? What's... Um What's the upside of being a more diverse and inclusive organization from a business perspective? Yeah. Well, uh, you know, in some other forums, people would be offended with this question. <laughs> so, uh, um, but uh, I, I think that, you know, diverse is the mother of creativity, isn't it? Yeah, when you have different people with different mindsets, different uh, leadership styles, different backgrounds, different, different uh, dimensions uh, in their lives, uh, the the possibilities uh, uh, in terms of uh, finding solutions for problems only uh, increase because you have different uh, set of experiences around the table. And uh, and uh, I, I think that um, uh, this question has been answered, uh, you know, even in, 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 a f in financial terms by so many institutions. Uh, but for us, um, you know, it's, it's, it's black and white uh, how much having a diverse company as we have today, uh, not only in terms of gender, but in terms of nationalities, in terms of uh, um, um, religion, in terms of economical levels, has really enriched us in, in our point of view. I remember in my you know, early days in Brazil uh, trying to figure out what would be a great new product for skincare or for shampoo uh, for hair care um, and, and, you know, trying to figure out what was really uh, the needs for the Brazilian consumers. But, you know, look at us. We are so privileged that, uh, you know, we, uh, how much do we really know? So I remember that we stopped the company uh, for 15 days, uh, the marketing teams, and we decided to spend 15 days living close to favelas. So we did that with our agencies, and that was one of the most transformative moments in Unilever Brazil. Out of that experience, we really got into the reality of our consumers in Brazil. What was really to live in a favela? What was really the sort of uh, uh, problems that uh, we needed to solve for them? And out of that, we created products that we, we never had before. We resegmented a lot of categories. So one of the products that we launched there that was quite iconic uh, was Vaseline Intensive Care uh, for a black Brazilian woman for dark skin. And, um, and that was a revolutionary product in terms of formulation because it was a deeper moisturizer. But more importantly than that, it was the first time in Brazilian TV that we created an ad with three beautiful black Brazilian women uh, being portrayed as the heroes. And that, that meant a lot uh, to the black Brazilian uh, community. Uh, the product was a huge success. Uh, the recognition of, you know, a deeper moisturization need uh, was amazing. And it started to resegment the market. And then we did the same for hair care. Uh, we launched the, the first range of products for mixed uh, race. Uh, again, a huge success. So, you know, trying to get closer to consumers, get, trying to get uh, close to the reality uh, is, is something that always works. Uh, now, uh, I think we have, uh, you know, an amazing opportunity also using data to enrich our knowledge and our understanding of what's going on. But nothing can replace the face-to-face, tete-a-tete -face, uh, -tete, um, that we can have with our consumers. Do you think that 
is occasionally missing, though, in, in modern marketing, though, that, yes. that closeness. Because you're right. I mean, I, I'm sure you wouldn't recommend that experience, which is a remarkable yeah. uh, means to gain insight, yeah. but also a necessary one and a fruitful one by the yeah. sounds of things. Um, I do hear a lot from people that there's far too much reliance on numbers on a spreadsheet. Yeah. We shall tell, tell you a story, but we won't tell you the full story. So are people missing out by not getting as close and gaining that insight? I, 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 I absolutely think so, yes. Uh, at Unilever, um, you know, uh, our belief is is that there is no replacement than, than the face-to-face. So what we encourage people to do is to, again, do it in a more disciplined way. If you don't put in your agenda, if you don't organize, if you don't plan, yeah, you never find time to do uh, those uh, encounters with consumers. And today, again, using technology, sometimes in my table, at my desk, I can also talk to consumers in Indonesia, I can talk to consumers any place in the world, yeah? So uh, what I, my preferred route is when I'm traveling and I book some time to visit consumers, to go to their homes, because uh, even when I'm talking to them on, the, on Skype, for instance, it's not the same. Being in their homes, smelling what is in their homes, yeah, what they're cooking there, yeah, uh, how is the level of cleanliness of, of that, that house? Uh, what is, you know, uh, how, how difficult it is to deal with all the different tasks and the kids who are crying? Yeah, nothing substitutes that experience. So my preferred route is every time I'm traveling for a business purpose, I'm always traveling and meeting consumers. And that got so much rooted in the way I do things that um, it's a bit annoying to my family. But when we are traveling, yeah, uh, that's what we do as well. So sometimes, you know, I, I, you know, in my holidays, I also book some time to visit some consumers. And, uh, and I think that the moment that you start doing that, you get addictive because it's so wonderful. It is so incredible, the sort of things that you can discover, the sort of insights uh, that you can get in a visit that, you know, thousand pages of data may not uh, give it to you. I suppose it will allow you to orchestrate all the elements of the marketing mix and be armed with that yes. insight of actual customer behavior. Presumably, it leads to more meaningful conversations with internal stakeholders or yes. the members of the exec committee because you can say with correct. authority correct. that our customers are thinking, feeling and doing this. Yeah, correct. And and I think that that has been, uh, you know, um, the way I... I, I uh, I, I have experienced uh, my progression in Unilever and the progression of the best marketeers in Unilever. Uh, you know, the, the best marketeers in Unilever has, have always been the guys and the girls who had this very strong connection with uh, real people. If you were to point to one, if you can reduce it to one, big achievement in your career at Unilever, whether or not it be marketing activity or something, else and think a personal impact that you might have had what would you what would you select oh so that's so difficult um can i have two <laughs> yes of course <laughs> uh I, you know i uh oh it's so difficult to pick one thing because i'm so in love with all the things uh How about a campaign or initiative um i i think that you know um i'm very proud of two uh, things um one was uh, to have the privilege to be part of the group who created a real beauty for Dove. Uh, that was a magical moment. Uh, we didn't know exactly what uh, that was going to bring to us, but we knew uh, that that was right. Yeah, and that was coming from a big piece of research that we've done. Um, 
uh, with Edelman. So it was Edelman, Ogilvy, and a group of Unilever people. And um, and uh, and uh, and and basically, that piece of research was telling us that around the world, only two percent of women could define themselves as beautiful. And we found that very very sad. Uh, also, uh, you know, almost seventy percent of of women were saying that they were feeling quite depressed when they were looking to um, magazines or watching TV because the standards of beauty were so uh, difficult to achieve. Um, so. With those kind of uh, insights, we created the Real Beauty campaign, and and it was a very difficult uh, moment uh, for for all of us because um, it was very counter culture. The beauty culture at that time was very different from real women. I remember people saying to me, "Alini, be careful because you can create uh, the campaign for ugly women." Uh, I had you know all sorts of uh, bizarre uh, comments. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm very happy to see that that brand is growing from strength to strength. And the person who is leading the brand today, Alessandro, a good friend of mine, uh, he was there at the very beginning uh, as well. Did so, that? Sorry. No, that was one of the moments. Mm. Yeah. Um, and of course, uh, training 40 million girls on the uh, self-esteem program. This is for me, you know, so priceless. This is uh, this is one of the best things for Unilever Legacy, uh, I think. The other one was uh, another brand that is in, in, in the UK called Persio, uh, but in, in other markets it's called Omo, it's called Surfexcel, it's a detergent brand. And, uh, you know, and we had a positioning called Dirt is Good. So what we were doing was changing completely the sort of positioning for detergents. Although we had said for years and years that dirt was bad, we are changing and flipping the narrative, saying that actually dirt is good. Don't you worry about your kid's T-shirt being dirty because we have a great product to clean it. Allow them to have a proper childhood. Allow them to get dirty and develop and grow. And with that, you know, we invested in thousands of playgrounds around the world. Uh, we changed the law in Vietnam, which made me super happy um, because there in Vietnam, kids were at school from morning till, you know, late afternoon without any breaks. And, uh, you know, the law changed and now they have breaks. They had time to socialize, to play and get dirty. So this kind of, you know, um, um, repositionings of brands that created um, social change uh, were probably the the things that I most um, love uh, about my job and, and my career. Yeah. I think that was three things, but the three things were very significant, so yeah. I'll allow you the extra one. <laughs> well, converse to that, yeah. anything that you look back on with, with regret? Regret? Uh, Something that didn't quite go as planned or... I, I thought, you know, maybe, uh, maybe. So one of the things, uh, Russell, is that I hesitated a lot uh, to to uh, to move out of Brazil. Uh, I spent majority of my career in Brazil, uh, and I was very thankful that Unilever allowed me to do that. Although I was doing a global job, uh, you know, since the year two thousand. Yeah, so for twenty years I've been doing a global job, uh, and uh, you know, and majority of the years uh, from Brazil, which is not very. <laughs> Uh, very rational, right? But um, that's where I needed to be because of my uh, husband's business. Um, but you know, now that I'm living in the UK in the last three years, I said, "Wow! Yeah, imagine if I had changed before." 
Uh, I'm loving living here, absolutely loving. And 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 the number of new connections, possibilities, uh, enrichment uh, that I had in the last three years uh, for me has been phenomenal. And uh, you know, so if there is a regret, is yeah, you know, why didn't I move earlier? But you did. Yes. <laughs> I know you got a thirst for it. Is there anywhere else in the world that you'd like to? You know, once try. You- well, once you moved uh, once, I think it's much easier to move, uh, you know, uh, another time and another time. Uh, I love traveling. So although I was based in Brazil, I was spending a lot of my life in a plane. Uh, the, the great news is that I had a family that was very supportive. When girls come to me and say, what is the piece of advice that you, you give to me? They said, for girls, I said, you know, be very, very careful what sort of... Uh, partner that you're going to have, what sort of husband, if you want to have a husband and kids, you're going to have, because there are two types of, 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 of husbands, you know, there are you know, the ones that are like an anchor that put you down and drag you down and lock you in, and there are the other ones that are like a trampoline that really, truly uh, love you and, and support you, and so make sure that you get a trampoline, uh, you know, a husband that uh, can really support you uh, to do whatever you want to do, that uh, gives you really uh, wings to fly. And uh, that's that's the sort of uh, husband that I got, and uh, so I've been traveling a lot, uh, and and uh, and now living in the UK uh, with this amazing experience that we are having here, uh, you know, uh, sky's the limit. I don't know. Yeah, we could live anywhere. It's just the weather that lets us down. No, I told you we get onto the weather. No, the weather's not that bad. Yeah, people talk so much about the weather. The weather's not that bad. Yeah. <laughs> You've got many years mm. of working either at Unilever or elsewhere oh. uh, in you yet. But uh, if I could just ask you to fast forward and think to yourself, what is it that you would like to leave as your... Legacy. Uh, yeah, professional legacy. Um, you know, if, if somebody was remembering you, what would you like them to remember you for? I, I think um, it's it's all about impact. I, I think it's about the impact. So... I, I, uh, and when I talk about impact, it's not just internal impact. It's not that on, on when I was leading detergents, yeah, and we had a 250 million business and we became 4 billion. It's not only that impact, but it's the impact that we create in society. It's the way now moms look at dirt in a different way and allow their children to have childhood. Uh, it's the way we are, you know, making more girls being confident yeah, in the way they are growing up. So I think that um, for me, the most important uh, thing of my job is really uh, the outcome of everything that we are doing, is the meaning of everything that we are doing, um, and the impact in society, the impact that we are giving uh, back. A very noble legacy to leave. <laughs> Alina santos thank you very much for your time today. My pleasure. You have been listening to Marketing Week Meets with me, Russell Parsons, and producer Tim O'Donoghue. Sponsored by Salesforce and brought to you by Bauer London Creative. You can subscribe to the podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Spotify, where you can listen to previous interviews with the likes of Sil Saller, Sarah Benison, and Gareth Helm. Until next time, goodbye. Marketing Week Meets. Sponsored by Salesforce's intelligent one-to-one customer journeys helping you achieve higher revenue, happier customers, and lower costs.